Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello, Oketa, and welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Tonga Rugby looks to the future after new elections, and Guam Tennis is ready for their Davis Cup debut. But first, organisers of the 2017 Pacific Mini Games believe the event has proven the doubt is wrong and left Vanuatu with the legacy of a can-do attitude. The Games came to a close in Port Vila last week after 12 days of competition, with New Caledonia topping the medals tally. Van 2017 CEO Clint Flood says the country delivered an event it can be proud of. The events went off without hitch. Uh, behind the scenes, all the operations, the transport, the catering, the villages were all done really well. And the comments were that people were astounded how what a level that we delivered this in Vanuatu. Uh, we had some comments that people thought these were the main games, and we, we delivered them, I think, that high uh, standard. We were blessed with pretty good weather for December. We had a couple of rainy days, but we got in all the sports. Great competition. I mean, the, the athletes are the stars of these things, of course. And they put on some fantastic performances in all 14 sports. We sold out almost every single day. Uh, I don't know the total number of spectators, but it's, it's probably 50,000 at least. We would think that they bought tickets for the event. So overall, uh, really well. I suppose when you have a home event like that, you want the home team to do well. And Vanuatu, I think they finished fourth on the medals tally and had particular success in the likes of, you know, some in tennis and table tennis and uh, obviously in the football, so uh, you know, good to see the home team coming up as well, and I guess that helps energise the locals and the you know the people involved. Yeah, it's always the sign of a good game. So I think you know our our end and my end is focused on delivering the operations, but it's always helped by having a great performance in Team Vanuatu with the help of the government, of course, and the government of China, who who took a lot of athletes away for six months to train. The the proof is in the results. Uh, I, I think it's 20 gold, 20 medals, 20 gold medals in total. I think uh, I think that's the number. As you say, fourth uh, best performance ever, and not just in in uh, some sports. Basically, all sports except for weightlifting, where they're not very strong. But I think in all other sports, they were uh, winners. Uh, the men's and women's football. Uh, <laughs> This is a football mad nation, and uh, there was lots of celebrations for both the men's and women's teams. Uh, gold medal performance by the girls in volleyball, and they're ranked in the, in the top in the world. So, um, you know, it, it was fantastic both on and certainly uh, off the field of play as well. From an operations perspective, uh, you had the challenge of obviously uh, taking over this at short notice. You weren't always a part of the uh, the organizational team, uh, and, and obviously we had the complications of Cyclone Pam and quite a condensed uh, time frame, I guess, to get these games ready and probably helped that you got to push that date back a few months as well. So, uh Amidst all of those challenges, uh, you know, how, how do you reflect on that? And I guess the the mad rush to get everything ready. Yeah, it was a rush. Um, some challenges in the beginning, but in the end, the, the government came through not only with funding but with, with other operational support. Republic of China built the venues. Uh, they did. They promised them to be delivered by uh, October 31st, and true to their word, 
they tuned, turned them over to us on November 1st uh, in, in great shape. You know, I'm glad we had the extra three or four months. That, uh, you know, it's obviously Cyclone Pam put this country back, not only just four months for the games, but for a long period of time. But that extra four months from a games perspective helped us deliver. You know, the important thing is that we didn't just do things just to get through the games. A lot of the things that I did and our team did with, with the government was from a legacy point of view, how do we procure properly so we leave some things? How do we make some plans in place? How do we put some of our, our staff in place from a longer period of time? So, you know, we're working on all those things now, and, and while we were rushed at the same time, uh, you know, I think we delivered everything we were supposed to. What do you think the legacy will be for, for Vanuatu? Because I guess that's always a really important part of these games is the legacy. You've got the venues. Um, but you want to try and leave people with a lasting impression of the country and, and what you guys can put on. Uh, here, the, the legacies are, as you say, the venues, but I think now a bit of a can-do attitude. Um, you know, there were so many naysayers saying, oh, Vanuatu, they can't do it or they'll do it at, at, at some level that at, at best it won't be an embarrassment for the country. Uh, but I think uh, the team that delivered the games, uh, and that's the, the, the collective team of everybody, uh, I think it was delivered to such a standard that it says Vanuatu can deliver not only games but other events and other programs at a, at a pretty high level. I'd like to personally see some sport tourism develop out of this so that we've got some great venues now. We've got uh, people that can deliver events. Why not hold Masters games here? Why not look at those types of things to, to bring more tourists in that spend some dollars and, and enjoy the great facilities we've got? Uh, we've got a, a volunteer base. You know, we have 1,500, uh, 1,600 volunteers that came out every single day, rain or rain or shine. Uh, that's a base that you can build on. I think just overall, this this whole sense of the pride of the nation in delivering something that to this magnitude, uh, of this quality, is the greatest legacy. And, and hopefully, the country will follow up and, and bring more events and more opportunities here. What would you say the biggest challenges? I guess you know one thing. You know, a lot of people talk about obviously. Tahiti not there, or ultimately they had a few boxes under the Pacific Games Council flag, and that's something that as an organizing committee uh, and as a host country, I guess, is completely out of your control. But uh, curveballs kind of come in at the last minute there, and you kind of have to roll with them. Yeah, it was disappointing. I think there's some larger and longer challenges for Tahiti ahead, of course. And hopefully they can you know, put the sport program back in place and, and get politics out of sport there. Uh, I think the other, we would have liked to have had a few more teams in football. Particularly, it would have been great to have PNG here and, and, and a couple of the other, the other teams. Uh, you know, some of the other challenges or, or, or things that I guess we, we could have looked at a little differently is, is just, you know, around the promotion of how important these games are regionally and, and where the next stepping stones are. So one of the things we were, we were successful on, and I'd like to see that we could do this again in future games, is we had the, the, uh, the Commonwealth Games qualifier for volleyball. And that attracted more teams in volleyball than we had. And I think if we're, if Pacific Games can work with the sport federations to say, can these Pacific mini games and the Pacific Games themselves be qualifiers for other events, then it will lead to, I think, better participation, uh, from, from all the countries and, across more sports. Uh, again, we have 14 sports, 23 countries plus plus the Tahitians uh, uh, under the PGC flag, but we would have liked to see a, a bigger round out in some sports, uh, particularly rugby maybe and football for sure. And uh, four teams from netball, which was a great tournament, a fantastic tournament for netball, but it would be obviously nice to have a, a little bit bigger field there. It's the Vanuatu Mini Games CEO, Clint Flood.
The interim chief executive of the Tonga Rugby Union says he feels redeemed after being re-elected as vice president and vice chairman for the next two years. Fia Vunipula thanked the local unions for putting their faith in him and the Prime Minister Akalisi Pohiva, who was elected president and chair of the TRU, while six others were elected to the board. It means a lot. It's huge. In my personal view, that, you know, the uh, clubs in Tonga still have faith in myself and, you know, and our Prime Minister to be leading our, our union uh, going forward, particularly with our World Cup um, only two years away. For us to be well prepared, all for the best interest of Tongan rugby. So it is, it is huge. And how crucial is to get a bit of stability in the administration in Tonga Rugby? Because, I mean, it has been a difficult year. Uh, it's been a bit disjointed. So uh, how, how confident are you that now that this administration is in, it's confirmed um, that, that you guys can you know, start uh, moving forward in a steady and, uh, I guess, successful manner? Well, uh, for your information and people who uh, follow Tonga Rugby, ever since I joined 2016, there has always been a legal challenge. Regarding, you know, with regards to uh, our union, case up was, uh, you know, a, a legal challenge of uh, the constitutions of subunions, the outer island subunions were were not in place, and you know, and then they found out that they uh, they were wrong, and then they were they were always looking for for something to claim against us until uh, you know they they found that we didn't comply uh, with the notice of our special general meeting. You know, in which it was void, and then, you know they found out that you know the notice wasn't clear enough. You know, to notify each and everyone who was supposed to be in the meeting to be informed, and that was why we were uh, ruled void. You know, in rugby terms, it was silly, to be honest. But you know, but then again, uh, they took it to the Supreme Court, and you know we were found wanting. But now, you know, we feel redeemed. And, you know, the organization is running smoothly. Um, I, I don't see any, any trouble because, uh, you know, the Galidah is, um, you know, the management is separate from, from the union here, you know, with the tripartite uh, agreement between government of Tonga, World Rugby and Tonga Rugby Union. So all was good and well. This is a precise step from what was actually in, in place. You know, when the administration is deemed null and void and, even if you think it to be a minor point, obviously that was the decision that was made. So uh, it is complicated when you've got nobody in charge that people can point to and say that's the administration. But that's obviously changed now because uh, you've been elected. So um, what are your goals for the next uh, two years, which are your terms for two years? Is that correct? Well, you know, our goals has always been to uh, qualify for the World Cup, which we did uh, this year. You know, and our second goal is to uh, qualify for the quarterfinal for the World Cup because Tonga never qualified or go past that stage, and that that's our ultimate goal, to uh, qualify uh, for the quarterfinal of uh, 2019 Rugby World Cup. Uh, you've also had some good news in the last week or so with the Tongan men's sevens team. Uh, they've earned themselves a spot at the World Cup in San Francisco. That's a nice little bonus as well. Yeah, it's all, it's all good. Uh, you know, with the sevens um, starting to perform, um, our Tonga A is, is doing well. Um, it's only uh, under 20 now that we need to you know, work on, I think, with the um, Rugby Academy in place. Going forward, I think we're looking um, looking good. 
and well, healthy. How do you feel about the funding situation for Tongan rugby? Uh, I know now that um, Te Whaiva is up and running again. I think you've got three home matches next year. You obviously have that World Cup spot confirmed for 2019. Uh, is, is there a prospect of getting a bit more bit more money, a bit more income? Obviously, yes. Uh, you know, Te Whaiva is the main um, test cow, to be honest. For Tongan Rugby Union, you know, we'll be looking to host more international here, either to the Ikalitahi or with our Tonga A or under 20 or 7s. We'll be looking at ways of uh, trying to bring in major international matches to be hosted here so that we can have uh, a bit of money coming through the dance stars. Can you make money for hosting test matches in Tonga? Is that feasible? Of course, yes. Uh, World Rugby helps out with uh, the cost of the visiting team. Uh, you know, that has been the, the case with uh, us hosting the BNC here. You know, it, it, it was a good arrangement, and we look forward to uh, having that in place going forward. OK, and uh, you would have, of course, seen the success of the Matama Tonga, the rugby league team at the World Cup. When you watch that over the last month or two, does that make you ponder what's possible with Tongan rugby? Oh, we were, we were in a high. You know, the islands, uh, it's unthinkable the way people support um, a winning team. And because our rugby um, league team, Madima Tonga, was doing so well, you know, we were all jumping up and down, you know, uh, and all good for the boys, you know, for, for putting us. Our league peg in um, contention for world champion. So it, it was huge. Yeah, because there's obviously been, you know, speaking to Toto Kefu and, and whatnot, and, and obviously Charles and, and co have come out themselves publicly, you know, that the likes of Charles Pieto, et cetera, would, would, would love to pull on the Ikalitahi jersey. Uh, how, how possible do you think that would be? If they have said they'd like to join us, then it's all good. You know, they're always welcome. You know, you welcome your best players to join your national team. You know, uh, doesn't matter whether it's the, the rugby league or rugby union, but, you know, that's what I think every team in the world dream of, you know, to have the, the team, team competing against the top teams of the world. So, you know, it's, uh, it's great news. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we can work together with World Rugby, you know, trying to reorganize the Olympics sevens uh, qualification. Because that's the only route for them to come back and join us. That's Tonga Rugby's Fea Vonipula. Guam will make their Davis Cup tennis debut next month. Players from the U.S. Territory have previously competed as part of the Pacific Oceania team. President of the Guam National Tennis Federation, Torgan Smith, says 12 players put their hands up for selection to compete in Oman next month. We're happy to have been able to move up in the ITF to be a Class B nation and have our own Davis Cup team and uh, happy to be able to put forth the team in 2018. Uh, one of the barriers is it, it involves more fees, uh, quite a bit more fees, but um, you just have to show that you're... Uh, you know, your development is growing and your program is maturing and, and you can uh, sustain that uh, expectation of, of a Class B nation. And then um, ITF puts it to a vote at the um, annual general meeting. Actually, it's a three-year process. You put your intent to move up and then the next year you make the application and then the next year the world votes at the, at the AGM. So that happened for us in uh, 2016 AGM, so we would have been eligible to play Davis Cup last year, but um, we just weren't quite ready. Happy to be up there and, and uh, look forward to, um, yeah, historic moment next month. And so how do you feel about the uh, the, the strength of uh, players you've got coming through? You, of course, have Daniel Lorenis, who is uh, extremely experienced, uh, 
and uh, part of a very successful doubles combination over the years for Pacific Oceania. Talk me through some of the other members of the team that I guess will be making their Davis Cup debut. We had uh, up to 12 players that put their name in for the selection process, and unfortunately the uh, event came up in January, so it's pretty close, so we didn't have as much time as we were hoping for to make the selection, but Danny will be our only player with Davis Cup experience. I'll be the captain. I've got Davis Cup experience as a manager and um, event coordinator when we had the the Group 2 ties here in Guam in 2011. So a little Davis Cup experience that we have combined with some new people. Chris Kahigan is one of the juniors that played in Pacific Ocean Championships in Fiji, and um, he's been playing in the States He's a second year of college, and he's so he's been playing at a at a pretty good level with college players. He's actually uh, Danny Lorenis is coaching at uh, Pacific University in Northern California, and Chris is playing with his team. Uh, next guy is uh, uh, Jean Pierre Hune, which he was here in Guam as a as a junior, and he's uh, been in Vietnam for the last few years. He's a little bit older, but he's got some ITF futures experience a few years ago. He brings some experience. He, he was one of the top players in uh, Vietnam, although he's a Guam citizen, basically, and is able to represent Guam. For the fourth player, we, we guaranteed that we would take at least one player that is actively training on Guam, so we don't want to discourage our, our locals that are still here playing and not just only go with college players and whatnot. So Mason Caldwell ended up being the selection for the fourth spot. He's a uh, 17-year-old junior. He's played the Pacific Oceania Championships and uh, been going to the ITF Fiji house for um, summer scholarship program and he's played some ITF events. So that rounds our team. We have some good experience with Danny and some fresh new faces. But, you know, the whole point of us getting into this Class B and, and Davis Cup and Fed Cup, we don't have a Fed Cup team this year, but we hope to soon. You know, this is the top of our development pyramid. Every year we have this uh, Davis Cup opportunity for our players, and um, hopefully it'll inspire them to improve and play more and, and become heroes for our kids that are playing and something to look up to and look forward to. And uh, were your Pacific Oceania neighbours and friends, were they supportive of the move, uh, of, of Guam's decision to go it alone? Yes, I believe they're supportive, and, and I encourage them to to do the same, you know, um, if they can. I mean, many of our uh, countries have some strong programs. The ITF uh, fee may be a, a barrier um, for the, the Class B, whereas uh, Guam is able to secure sponsorships and able to, to have the, the funds to pay the fee. But I think and I hope that uh, eventually more of our uh, Pacific countries will be able to uh, make this step because although we take away from the Pacific team with with Danny not eligible to play for the Pacific anymore, we give opportunity to more players to to have a chance to play in this uh, prestigious event. How much is that fee for Class B? It's about $5,000 additional to what a Class C nation is, which is about 700 US. In future, you would like to have a Fed Cup team, I think you said earlier, So, but for, for now... Female players on Guam, they are still eligible for Pacific Oceania or, or not? No, they're not. They wouldn't be because of the, uh, since we're Class B, we're, we're no longer eligible for the, okay. the Pacific. Since we can have our own team, we're not allowed to participate yep. on another team. Like in 2017, we didn't have a team, but could have had a team, so we, we were not able to put Danny 
uh, nominated for the Pacific team this year. And in terms of the men, obviously it is not far away, so they're going to be coming up against the likes of Bahrain, Bangladesh, Iraq, Kyrgyzstan, uh, Mongolia, Myanmar, Singapore, uh, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, UAE, and uh, Oman over there. So, um, what do you uh, what, what do you know about this opposition? I imagine Danny would have played against a few of them. We're, we're going into the competition with uh, expectation to uh, win. We think we have a, a pretty strong team, especially at the top with the experience of Danny and and Chris and and JP will be a strong doubles guy for us. Exactly how the lineup is going to go. I can't tell you right now. We're still working on that, but we're going in not with the idea of just to show up. Uh, we, we have an expectation of, of winning some matches, and hopefully we can go up to Group 3 and compete with the Pacific next year. Um, that may be a uh, a, a very uh, ambitious uh, goal, but why not? You play to win, right? That's the president of the Guam National Tennis Federation, Torgan Smith. And that's the final word in sport for 2017. I'm Vinnie Wiley. Merry Christmas and thanks for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.